Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit's Ramblings, Podcast 369. This time I have quite a bit to say about Destiny 2's new expansion, The Witch Queen, and that's all I have to talk about this time. Hopefully you'll enjoy the show. This time the campaign has two difficulty settings. I forget the exact name for the basic version, but there is a basic difficulty and then what they're calling legendary. Additionally, it will scale further based on how many people are in your group. If you're solo like me, it is, you know, quote unquote, the easiest. And then it'll be a bit harder for two people. And then for a full fire team of three, I hear you absolutely must do the match game, and if somebody dies, they have 30 seconds to be uh, brought back up with a limited number of times you can bring people up, and if you don't bring them up, then your team will wipe, uh, and you'll have to start that encounter over again. So there are quite a lot of new difficulty settings in the campaign as you are going through, which is a welcome change because even playing solo in pretty much all the previous ones, uh, they would range from pretty tough to uh, ridiculously easy. And playing in the legendary mode, I got all the way through. It was quite a bit challenging. I definitely would not recommend it to somebody who is new, who has uh, limited weapon options, and maybe a little bit less knowledge about uh, the bad guys and how they fight and, you know, sort of how best to beat them. I think it probably took me somewhere around 25 to 30 hours to complete it in Legendary Mode solo, but I probably could have done it a lot faster if I actually did try better to sort of match the elements that were needed to be matched instead of sort of brute forcing my way through with what I had, or using sort of the most powerful, optimal choices. You know, every fight I've heard people who do that uh, can solo their way through it, Uh, probably in about a one uh, long play day. The campaign was the most interesting campaign so far in terms of story. Nothing felt forced, was overly predictable, and there was a good even flow to sort of how things went in terms of story and cutscenes and fighting. In terms of combat and leveling, though, it didn't force you to pause the story and go grind out levels or do grinding of sort of public events or public space, you know, patrols or whatever, which they often did in previous campaigns. It just had a nice even flow from sort of one campaign story to the next, and you didn't really need to sort of take any detours. I did voluntarily take some detours, sort of as a little break from the campaign quests, but also to be, you know, 100% sure I would be as high level as I could be for the quests in question. 
all of the locations are well built and interesting and just not uh, you know recycled locations that you've seen uh, so many times before i think in the campaign all of the settings you are put through are very new and you've never seen them before you know until you do that uh, campaign mission in terms of new stuff and changes to you know the so-called sandbox the glaive is very cool it takes some skill but it has a range component a melee component as well as a shield if you hold down uh, the right trigger i do feel maybe a little bit bad for titan though as a shield kind of eats into their special territory since bubbles and protections and shields is their thing now with the glaive you know everybody that wants to have a shield especially when they can just uh, carry with them and keep it up you know anybody can just use a glaive the crafting and component extraction system seems pretty cool too as now you have a reason to use a particular weapon type you don't normally use other than just the average gunsmith bounties how it works is you'll get a weapon with a special red border and then you have to use it uh, for a certain amount of time you can pretty much do whatever but doing certain witch queen events like going on a mission or doing a public event or doing patrols will give a big boost uh, to the progress of it it doesn't take too long i would say maybe i would guess 45 minutes to an hour per weapon at most probably what i've been averaging to get it through to the progress complete point and at that point you can extract the special materials from it and extract knowledge towards being able to craft that weapon in the future and then it just becomes uh, a normal weapon like anything else so you can use it or you can scrap it uh, your choice I'm only really starting to get into crafting, but I do really like how you craft a weapon, and then it starts out as a level one weapon, and then as you use it, it gains higher levels, and the higher levels will unlock the options uh, for which perks you can have slotted. And then once you've forged the weapon, you can then change it at the forge and alter uh, the perks it has by reshaping it. I call it forge. Uh, but the technical name is shape. Non-craftable weapons also have something very interesting they now call origin perks. And these origin perks are specific to each manufacturer. So now there's actually a reason you might want to search out a weapon type of a particular manufacturer over another. Like the one I think for the Cabal sort of faction weapons that are coming out with this season is called Land Tank. And that gives you, I think, bonus resistance. Uh, I forget exactly when. I'm not sure. But if you want to have additional resistance stacks uh, sort of building up and making you a little bit more tanky, uh, then you might want to focus on having Cabal weapons. I do really like my new Hunter Void changes. They are pretty cool. I was a Void main for many, many years until Stasis came out. And then I switched to Stasis because it has... The same similar kind of control slash damage aspects to it, but Stasis had a much better thrown uh, melee ability. And since I used to do the traps, which didn't directly do damage, you know, the ultimate was pretty similar. So I just went with Stasis because it was the new thing with, you know, a better uh, thrown melee, you know, throwing star kind of thing. 
I did miss my stealth, but now I think maybe they went a little overboard because with the right kind of combination perks and using the glaive, as long as you've got minions to hit and kill very quickly, you can pretty much stay in perma-stealth. I do think they are looking into that because they uh, agree maybe it's a little too much, but it is pretty cool if you are into stealth. There are some new graphical settings, including HDR, if you happen to have an HDR monitor. The defaults it set itself to on my now 8.5-year-old system actually made it run a little bit better than it was running before. But, you know, it is an older system, and so when I get into those really rough fights where there's a lot of uh, special effects going on, it does get some very noticeable slowdown. I don't know if that would happen on a newer system, but there is... Uh, definitely a much higher potential load if you have things like some Night Stalkers throwing out their ultimate and shooting traps everywhere. Then you've got blobs with lines going all over the screen. And then somebody else does their super and there's a bunch of other things exploding. So it can get pretty uh, visually spammy now. But hopefully, you know, modern systems don't have any issues keeping up in terms of frame rate. I'd say overall Destiny 2 is, as many reviewers would say, in the best place it's been in many years, possibly ever. It's super fun. The glaive, weapon, and crafting systems are very cool additions. And turning Void into the new sort of class style shows really good promise for when they get to the other two. I expect they'll probably do one a season. So next season, I think they're doing Solar. And then I think the one after that would probably be Ark. I still don't really understand why it wasn't like this right from the beginning. Ever since I'd heard about what Destiny was going to be, I always assumed it would be a talent and perk system like you know they are doing for Stasis and now Void. So it's still very confusing to me why it took them uh, this long to do it like they're doing it. I would say Witch Queen is a great time for new players to jump in. But some of the stuff might be a little bit confusing for new players because Bungie has never been the best at explaining things. They could very easily get into public events and get completely wrecked and have no idea why. You know, things like, unless you know, to look in the upper right corner and see what the light level uh, recommendation is when you die, you would have no idea uh, a lot of the time what light level you're supposed to be uh, for the things you are doing. The quests will show sometimes what light level you should be, but not always. Some of them are uh, not listed. So I think uh, if you are a new player, you know, look for somebody who uh, you know who has been playing for a while so you can ask them. You know, if you start to get frustrated with something or confused about something, uh, you know, be sure to ask them and uh, don't hesitate because it can get uh, quite confusing and obscure in some areas. But those are really all of my thoughts so far. Now that I've finished the main campaign, I'm getting into sort of the average seasonal grind where you kind of pick what you want to do and go find your pinnacle gear and get your light level up. And you look at the you know tasks you have available and you sometimes do them. Sometimes you'll just wander around and do whatever. But it's still super fun. Like I said, I think it's in the best place it's ever been. Uh, it's certainly the most interesting. I do really like the design and layout of the new 
throne world layout uh, and design. It does feel quite barren at times. Maybe it's just because I'm going in the same area all the time, but there will be times where I'm just driving around in my sparrow look, looking for people to kill or looking for, you know, patrols or public events or whatever. And it feels like sometimes I'll drive around for a while and not see, like, any enemies at all. So it does feel a little bit more barren, I suppose, than some areas. But I guess that's much better than things spawning so fast you're just, you know, going back and forth between two spots and never moving. And of course, it does have a uh, free-to-play component. You can, I think, see the Throne World if you don't have the expansion, though there won't be a whole lot for you to do because, like, none of the NPCs will talk to you and you won't have access to the new quests. And you definitely wouldn't have access to crafting or anything like that. But you can certainly check out the zone, I think, uh, and see what that's like. And that's it uh, for all my thoughts. From the newsroom. There's not a whole lot of news this time. By the time this podcast comes out, Elden Ring will also be out. Uh, I would like to be playing, but there's no way my old laptop would uh, touch it. It would just say no and refuse to play it. So I don't know uh, when or if I will be able to talk about that. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is coming out on the 25th. I have that pre-ordered, and I'm uh, very hopeful that my old laptop can run it. It ran Borderlands 3 okay, and they have almost identical uh, minimum recommendations, so I'm very hopeful uh, it can run it okay. It looks like that would come out uh, when the next podcast is due uh, in three weeks' time, so I may hold the podcast uh, an extra week so I can have early thoughts on that. Otherwise, I don't know uh, what I would talk about. But that's it for the news. So that's it uh, for this week's podcast. I have been uh, really extremely sad uh, lately. I'm still dealing with the new laptop death. I still can't fathom how that even happened. I talked to somebody uh, at the shop about stuff. And they assured me that their tech that looked at my system has been working uh, on hardware and motherboards for I think it was like 20 or 30 years. They worked at HP and they have a degree, you know, graduated top of their class and all that. And they assured me that if the person who looked at my system said it could not be uh, repaired, then that would be due to cost uh, being so prohibitive that if it could be repaired and they could get the parts, you know, it would have just cost more than, you know, a new laptop. So I pretty much uh, given up any hope of Uh, being able to repair it, or, you know, doing it uh, on my own over a long period of time. Because, you know, why should I not trust that? You know, I should 
you know, trust that this person actually has the expertise they claim and, you know, not think that I could do better. So I will save my money and not put in the effort and um, not try because that means I have pretty much no chance. And I didn't get any help uh, in time to go for the uh, low repair cost option. I did complain to Acer. I think I mentioned this uh, last podcast. They did offer to replace it for half the cost, which is, you know, still 400 bucks after taxes. But I got uh, no help uh, in time for that. So now that offer has expired. Uh, and if I wanted to replace it, I would have to pay their, you know, original 730 plus asking price, which is outrageous and stupid. And I'm absolutely not going to do that. I'll just go with uh, an Asus system and I'll maybe look at something on sale for around that value or, you know, maybe somehow if I do get money, uh, you know, get something better that is, you know, I don't know, probably around the 1000 range, maybe a little bit more and uh, get like four year, you know, additional coverage on it. Because I guess one of the things uh, the guy said when I was talking to him about uh, my laptop death. As he was saying in the past few years, he's seen systems come in and there's been, you know, some kind of horrific software crash that either completely wrecks the system or it causes damage to, you know, the chips in terms of like the BIOS and such. And, you know, if they can sort of turn it on, then they can sort of reset that stuff. But for mine, since it won't turn on at all, there's like no chance at resetting anything. So my guess from that uh, is that that might have been what happened to my system. Though I still have, you know, no idea how a software crash can wreck hardware. But it does sound uh, like what happened to me. Because it did have, you know, it's one and only uh, hardware lock crash just before its system death. So if a horrific crash can cause death, then um, that's maybe what happened, I guess. So, uh, you know, moral of the lesson there is uh, always get as much extended coverage as you can, as well as if you suffer a horrific crash, I guess, uh, shut the system down for like 30 seconds to be sure, you know, any kind of weird code that might still be uh, in the RAM or CPU is cleared if, you know, you can clear that. Because I don't know, maybe, you know, part of me now wonders, you know, since I did just control, delete, and stop the program, you know, maybe the damaging code was still in the CPU or RAM somehow, and trying to play the game again, you know, maybe that caused the death. Maybe, you know, it would have lived if I would have shut it down for a little bit. I don't know. I will probably never know. So, still very sad about that, and, you know, it could be uh, years uh, before I get another chance at another new system. So, for the foreseeable future, no uh, video versions because there's no point. Because uh, my laptop uh, absolutely can't record video. And, you know, won't be able to play a whole lot of new stuff. So, I may have to go to uh, even less frequent podcasts. I don't know. We'll still continue, I guess, as we have been. Uh, and play it by ear each time. Like I said, I think next time might be four weeks instead of three weeks because otherwise it would land basically right when I got Tiny Tina's 
and then I'd have, you know, nothing to talk about or, you know, maybe a couple hours experience. So it'd probably be better uh, to hold it uh, for a full month uh, until sort of the end of the month. But I guess that's it for this week. And hopefully I'll see everybody next time. Okay, thanks. Bye. But hopefully, you know, modern systems don't have uh, any shishu and shishushu. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. When you type rabbits ramblings, don't use the space. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you like my page, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on YouTube at rabbitdot.com. I have a page on Patreon at www.patr. E-O-N dot com slash rabbit R-A-B-B number one T. You can set up a monthly recurring subscription there at a price point of your choice. Be sure to put the number one in place of I anytime you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright Eric Stryker using a Creative Commons attribution non-derivatives license 2022.